Hey, voice teachers, it is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 25, is all about helping our students who are new to performing with their first performances. We're talking a little bit about psychology, better communication, being mindful of our students' needs, and of course, insightful teacher strategies that can really help our students have a positive experience on the stage. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hey, voice teachers, thank you so much for joining me. Podcast 25, yay! I want to thank you for finding time in your busy schedule to tune in today. I know how busy teachers are. Uh, Podcast number 25, all about first performances, is just in time for those of you who are preparing students for upcoming performances. I mean, you know, when are we not preparing students for performances, really? But this podcast is specifically about helping beginner students of any age with their first performances. So first performances are a big deal. It is so important that your students have a positive experience, uh, a feel-good experience that they can grow from. And this is important uh, for teachers to focus on. We have to give them a little bit more of our time and our energy. Um, We have to be very mindful because a student who does not have a good experience um, is probably less likely to continue in music lessons. And uh, bad experiences can be uh, lifelong traumatic experiences that that affect them. Um, How many of you have had parents that talk about their bad experiences or how much they don't like performing or, or, or talking in front of people? We want... We want this to be a great learning opportunity. So here's my, I always like to start off and I like to ask you a question. So here's my question. How do you feel about performing? Not every music teacher I know is crazy about performing. Now I I like performing and I have my dad to thank for that. Thank you, dad. Thanks, George. Um, From a very young age, I would sing with my dad. He would play the guitar. I grew up singing and performing with him. Now, I also had amazing classroom music teachers in all of my schools, elementary, grade school, uh, middle school, and high school. Incredible teachers who loved loved music. And um, I'm also obviously a performance major uh, uh, at college. And um, I've had the opportunities uh, and the support that performing is something that I really love to do. I don't get to do it as much because my priority, obviously, is education. But um, uh, how do you feel? How, how do you feel? I, I know many teachers, incredible music educators, amazing musicians who have serious performance anxiety. There are lots of prof- professional performers and um, famous people who struggle with this. And if you're a music teacher who struggles with performance anxiety or social anxiety, you know, fear not. You are definitely not alone. And I don't think it's anything to worry about or hide from people. In fact, I think that you are probably very helpful 
to the beginner student, to the needs of your students. And I think you probably have insightful um, experiences uh, to really help your students because you know how they feel. You have probably experienced the fight or flight response that can happen when we are stressed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced the fight or flight response? Uh, before, um, although uh, I have been performing, I've been singing forever, I have experienced this and uh, it is terrifying. It is strange. Uh, so let me explain. So I'm comfortable singing, but I am not uh, comfortable playing the piano. That's just not my comfort zone. And many years ago, I went back uh, to piano lessons. I wanted to improve my skills and I wanted to set some goals. So my teacher said, well, why don't you do some examinations? And I thought, great idea. So I worked very hard, practiced a lot, very dedicated. My first piano examination, I thought I was fine. I walked into the room, I sat down at the piano, the examiner asked me uh, if I wanted to perform repertoire or technical exercises, uh, which one I wanted to perform first. So I went to respond to his question, and I couldn't. My mouth was completely dry. I, I, I was tongue-tied. Um, I, had to, I had to clear my throat, and in a panic, because I could not understand why all of a sudden I couldn't speak, I, I blurted out, scales! And I, I, I yelled at him. And the examiner looked at me a little strange. And of course, this was upsetting because I'm like, what is, what is going on? I'm screaming at the examiner. And he looked at me a little strange and he said, okay, whenever you're ready. And so I went to put my hands on the keyboard and they were shaking so badly that it startled me and I, it scared me and I pulled them away from the keyboard and I held them to my body and I tried to take a couple of breaths and I could barely breathe. And it was the strangest thing. I've never experienced that before in my life. Um, half of my brain was saying, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You are a musician. You have, you're a performer. There's just one person in the room. And the other half of my brain was screaming at me to run. Just get out of there. So I got through it. I, I barely got through my exam. I, I don't remember it. Um, I had this, this ringing in my ears through the whole thing. I felt completely out of breath. It was a terrifying experience. And I went back to my piano teacher and I told her what happened. And she was very kind. She's like, yes, this is what it is. And you're okay. And, um, and, and as much as that, um, yeah, uh, that I I can I can laugh about it now. It was really a traumatic experience. It really threw me, uh, threw me off. And um, uh, but what it did do, because I was obviously still teaching voice at the time, um, this uncomfortable experience gave me great insight for helping my young singers because now I understood what they were going through. Now I understood why they sang great in the lesson and then not so great at the recitals. And I think it made me more sensitive. And it certainly led me to do a little bit more of my research about this and understand more about this, this reaction. So um, the fight or flight response um, many of you know about it. If you're a member of uh, the National Association of Teachers of Singing and you get the Journal of Singing, there have been many really wonderfully written articles about 
uh, performance anxiety and uh, very helpful. Um, uh, I think that it is helpful for teachers to understand a little bit about it. Now, on our podcast page, uh, I've put a very um, simple infographic and a link to more information for those of you who want to dig a little bit deeper. But just a basic overview. So the fight or flight response, um, sometimes it's also called uh, acute stress response, is the body's reaction that happens when the brain perceives a harmful event, an attack, a threat. And it's what happens is the brain sends out these messages. Um, our bodies, it floods uh, our bodies with um, hormones, um, stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline and a whole bunch of other um, uh, hormones. And our body basically shuts down. We go into survival mode. And uh, there's, there's certain um, symptoms. So um, when... When a person is experiencing this stress, they could have a raised heart rate. Um, their faces become flushed. I notice that a lot when my singers are singing and all of a sudden their cheeks turn bright, bright red. Um, they experience shaking because blood is rushing to the muscles. Um, dry mouth is, is one of the symptoms. Um, the pupils dilate. Sometimes people experience tunnel vision. And, and there is uh, hearing loss. I, I found this very interesting. So I want to dig into that a little deeper. Uh, but if you want a little bit more information on fight or flight, please go to our website page and there's some really great links there for you. But I wanted to share with everyone, um, I'm currently reading a book uh, by Dr. Stuart Shanker. Um, it's called Self-Reg, which is short for self-regulation. Um, now, Dr. Shanker is a, a renowned child psychologist who has decades of working with children and families. Now, many of our um, classroom teachers in Canada may be very familiar with Dr. Shanker as his research and his strategies for managing stressed out kids uh, has been very well received in the school system. And um, his new book is about uh, helping parents uh, and children identify when they are stressed and the signs of stress and how to manage it effectively. So in his book, he discusses fight or flight in really great detail. And he shares some really interesting research. And I found this information um, that I'm going to read to you really applicable to the private voice teacher. Um, so I'm actually reading this is a quote from his book, page 18 of Self Reg by Dr. Stuart Shanker. And I'm also going to put a link on our podcast to this book. I think it's a really helpful book. So this is um, his words here. So fascinating discoveries are being made by molecular biologists about the functions that get turned off in fight or flight. For example, sudden pitched stress affects the muscles in the middle ear, reducing the child's ability to process speech and amping up his hearing attuned to low frequency sounds. That's the end of the quote. So this made me think um, years of teaching. Have you ever experienced a, 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 a singer who was a very nervous in your lesson studio? Maybe you thought they weren't listening to you or they, they repeatedly ask you to repeat yourself. 
Um, what about the, the singers that have no problem with pitch during lessons, but during performances they can't, they can't find their key? Is it possible that you had a student or have a student who is struggling with pitch and you think it's because they don't have a good ear? Maybe maybe there's something more going on. Maybe they're they're dealing with some sort of anxieties instead. If you're working with kids in the teaching studio, I highly recommend this book. There's some really great uh, strategies and information here. And uh, I'm going to put a link on our podcast page. So that is Dr. Stuart Shanker, S-H-A-N-K-E-R. Uh, and the book is called Self-Reg. Now, knowing about fight or flight, very important, but I believe that first-time performers are dealing with more of fear of the unknown. Singers that have never experienced a performance may start to create those dark, doomy stories about what they think is going to happen. So one of the tools, or one of the strategies, is giving students positive information about what a recital is all about. How awesome it's going to be, how much fun, um, what a great opportunity it is. And um, giving them this kind of positive information, I think, can really help them set up for success. And um, this also includes um, talking about, I call it, I call it talking about the feels. I tease my husband from time to time when he's having a bad day. I'll say, do we, do you need to talk about the feels? Um, but, um, talking about how they're feeling and asking them how they feel about performing and opening up some communication can be really insightful for you, the teacher, and can offer some opportunities to help them work through their worries. Um, sometimes our students don't understand the butterflies, the sensations, and just having some, well, yeah, butterflies are normal and it's okay to feel them and everybody feels them. Uh, that's a really important conversation with students. And I've had that conversation with adults. I've had adult students who really get into their heads and really don't like the sensations in their body. And I just remind them that those sensations are normal and they're okay. And you're not going to, you're not going to get upset about them. Now, unfortunately, the other conversation that sometimes we need to have, um, the pop culture curse of the TV shows, the voice competition, talent competition TV shows, uh, has had a pretty dark effect uh, psychologically on a lot of our young singers because they truly believe from what they've watched on TV that the audience is out to get them. Um, and no wonder they, they have anxiety because they've seen audiences that are threatening, that laugh, that, that snicker. It seems like they're waiting for the contestants to make a mistake. Um, I've had little singers when I ask them what they're worried about and they are sincerely afraid that people are going to laugh at them. I think that's so heartbreaking. So again, having a conversation about, you know, what you see on TV isn't what happens at a real performance and the audience is friendly and everybody is your friend. Like those kind of conversations uh, really are helpful and sometimes very necessary. And the other conversations that sometimes have to happen is <laughs> talking about the feels with parents. We forget sometimes that moms and dads may have had really scary experiences 
and sometimes parents and sometimes it's just parents that have social anxiety um and i don't think they're doing this intentionally but they they are imposing their experiences uh, their energy onto their children and their attitude is key in preparing for a first recital so if they're nervous and scared, then they're going to transfer this onto their student. Now, I have to tell you, personally, my son had his first piano recital last year, and Sean and I were so nervous. I had the butterflies. And yes, I did have a conversation with myself, and I told myself that the butterflies are normal. But it was something. I mean, both Sean and I are professional performers, but we were really, really, really nervous for our son. He did fine. And uh, we, uh, we recovered, but we have to remember that our young singers may have moms and dads that need our support. And uh, it, for those of you who've been listening to my podcasts, you know how I feel about the open door policy. I believe that parents are our allies, not our enemies. They may not understand um, what we're doing or our, our methods or why we choose the repertoire that we do. They may not understand our approach. Um, and that's okay, but they, we do need to keep the lines of communication open and make sure that they know that we're on their side, we're on their team, and that if we can help them help their kids, that's, then they can reach out to us. It's so important to have those healthy, open relationships. Um, now moving on. So how can we help our students have amazing first performances? So we're going to talk about before the recital. This is where we do most of our work, uh, during the recital or performance, whatever the performance may be, and after the recital. So let's get started. So before the recital, so first and foremost, one of the most challenging things, it will never change. It will never not be challenging. There's nothing I can do. There's no freebie I can give you to make this any easier. Choose good repertoire for your students. Uh, I know how challenging it is. Do they like the song? Do you like the song? Is it appropriate? Uh, what kind of accompanist do you have? What is the range? Can you get a transposed copy? I am in transposition uh, land right now, getting ready for my holiday recital. Uh, I've got boy singers. I've changed keys two or three times. It's important. It's a lot of extra work, but it's so worth it. So make sure you take the time and give yourself enough time to maybe have the student have maybe two or three songs that they can choose from and they pick this one that they're really enjoying before the recital uh, or performance. So my other tip and something that is so important, first performances should happen in your teaching studio before the bigger stage. Make sure your students have an opportunity to have a mini recital or a mini performance for family. And again, this is all about our open door uh, policies. Students who are not comfortable singing in front of mom and dad are not going to be comfortable at the recital, are not going to be practicing at home. And yes, some of our students can really make this difficult. I have a 12-year-old. She's been with me for a while now. We just got over the I don't like singing for my mom and dad nonsense. Um, I gave her some time in the beginning to have some one-on-one -on -one lessons with me. And I told her that eventually mom will be coming back in and dad. And that's exactly what happened. And she didn't like it. She didn't like the first time she sang for mom and dad. But now it's a non-issue. 
And I'm glad that I stuck with that um, because, uh, one, um, she now does practice at home and it's a non-issue. And two, she's okay at the recitals. Um, it really is important to get our singers on uh, comfortable singing with mom and dad. So um, they don't have to be there every lesson, but definitely before your performances, they should have had a chance to really sing the song as if it was a performance in your teaching studio. The other thing that I do with my students is practice the way you're going to perform. So in the studio lesson, um, it the teaching studio, they walk up, hand me the accompaniment, turn around, introduce their song, sing their song, bow, take their music, and walk back to their chair. Uh, I think that's really important, having them walk through exactly what they are going to do at the recital. Again, it's that fear of the unknown where we're giving them all the information that they need so they can be more comfortable and better prepared. Now, my next um, tip and strategy. Now, I appreciate that I'm really lucky. I have access to the recital venue prior to the recital because I teach at the church where we hold the recitals. But even before I had this location and was teaching out of our church, I would always make arrangements to have the space um, the night before the recital. And I would hold group rehearsals because my studio is made up of beginner students. Uh, it was important for me to give them the opportunity to perform for each other, to have a run through. And um, the other thing that the other reason why I have to do this is because I don't usually play for my students. I am not an accompanist. Remember, I told you that story about not yelling at the examiner. Um, so I need my students to have a proper run through with their accompanist as well. And of course, to have the accompanist run through with them and to explore the sound of the new venue. It is different singing in a big church or a hall than it is singing in your teaching studio. And that can throw off your students. That can throw off professional singers, let alone new singers. Um, simple things like maybe the pianos on the other side of them can throw them off their game. So I like them to explore the space, hear the other singers, get comfortable, ask questions, see where they're supposed to stand on stage, walk on the stage, walk off the stage. That really does a lot for making them more comfortable. Um, now, for those of you, I know that's not always possible uh, because of the cost and the time. But if you can't hold a group rehearsal, then I consider an early run through for your newbies. <laughs> so ask to get the recital venue earlier get your new singers or your new performers there early, let them do a run through and get them comfortable. It really does help a lot to alleviate that stress. Now, if you have young singers or students who are truly reluctant, and maybe you feel that they're not ready for the solo, um, consider doing a group choral piece with all your singers. Something simple, unison, maybe two parts. Um, so that your new singers or anxious singers can still participate. Uh, I would always invite singers that opted out of the recital to the recital, and I would encourage them to come, but they would never come. Parents will not 
rearrange their schedules just to watch other people perform. But if their kids are in the recital, they will make arrangements for them to be there. So I use choral pieces as the icebreaker for my singers who are just not ready. And it really works out well. And having a choral piece in your recital is actually kind of nice. So the younger singers get to sing with the older singers, and it does really give them a boost in their confidence. Now, I want to share a story um, with about one of my students. So um, she was 11 when she started lessons with me. A lovely, lovely voice. It's always the really talented singers that don't want to sing for anybody. How many times do you get that singer that's just got a lovely sound, but they've got the stress and the anxiety? always. So she was very stressed out and did not want to sing. So we did a choral piece and she was happy to do that. The next recital came around and she was still adamant about not doing a solo, but I did make her do the four bar solo at the beginning of the choral piece. That's another little trick too. So maybe you've got some singers that are close to being ready. Give them a little four bar, eight bar solo and then let them finish the rest of the song with the group. Um, and then finally, she did have the confidence to to do a solo, but because she was very uh, much, she had um, perfectionistic, is that a word? Uh, tendencies. Um, and she was really, really hard on herself. So uh, her first solo performance had a couple of little tiny mistakes that nobody would have ever noticed but for her they were big mistakes and very traumatic so uh, we had to do some damage control we had to bring mom and dad in we had to remind her you did great and I make mistakes I make way bigger mistakes than that and and there was a lot of of, of nurturing and support I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not had an open really good relationship with her parents and her parents were just phenomenal very supportive and um, every performance got better and more confident and more comfortable and when she did her graduating recital before she went off to university it was jaw-dropping it was amazing she was confident and poised she introduced her song and talked about her song like a professional she sang beautifully and it, and it, so for those of you who maybe are quick to, to give up on those, those performers, those singers that, that don't, aren't the natural performers, don't. It's something that can be nurtured and developed. Don't give up on those kids that are shy or those kids that struggle. There's a performer in there. And if you've got mom and dad on your side, give them those opportunities to grow. And I, I have to share with you, and I know you've all experienced this, or and I, if you haven't, you will. Um, but I got a, an email uh, from her mom. So, so my student went off to university. She's now studying in uh, Montreal, and she's loving it. She didn't go into music, but her mom wanted to let me know how wonderful she was doing at university and how much music was still an important part of her life. She was still part of the worship team, the music worship team at her church. She led the, the music worship team. She sang on a recording for the church. They did a fundraising CD, and she was a featured soloist. And her mom sent me this lovely email thanking me for all of the skills that I had given her daughter and all the confidence I had given her daughter through her 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 preteens and, and teenage years. Like 
I've saved that and printed up that email. It's in a very special shoebox somewhere. Anyhow, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't be quick to judge on those singers that aren't comfortable performing. They just need your kindness, your patience, and your support. So moving on. During the recital, Okay, so we've got our students prepared. They've got a great song. We've rehearsed. They've got their introductions. So, oh, I forgot. Make sure you have your students uh, rehearse their introductions. Introductions are really important. I do not introduce my students. They have to do that themselves. I I consider an introduction a micro warm-up. I would rather talk to an audience first before bursting into song. Bursting into, walking on stage and bursting into song is strange. Anyways, don't make your students do that. It's awkward for the audience too. So have your students practice their introductions and strong introductions, calm, you know, make sure you train them because if you're given the chance, your students will say things too quickly. If they're nervous, they will speak too quickly. You encourage them to slow down. A well-spoken introduction can set them up for a strong performance. Now we can move into all the little things we can do during the recital. So one of my, uh, one of my tips, biggest tips um, and rules, I think this is a rule. Make your recitals fun. You are responsible for the energy and the atmosphere of your, of your recital. So make it fun. If you haven't listened to podcast number five, hosting great recitals, well, finish listening to this, this podcast and then go listen to that podcast. It was one of our most listened to and got most positive responses was on that podcast. And one of my tips was to play fun, family-friendly music before the recital. Don't let your families come into a quiet, awkward church hall. That's what you do for a funeral. Let them come into fun music. Let them bounce around. Now, I started doing that because of my anxious students. I had a couple of years ago, I had a few students that had some serious anxiety and I wanted a way to let them relax before the recital started because I watched them get worked up. And I thought if I could find a way to distract them and make them just have fun and they love music so I thought I'm just gonna get a playlist it has served me so well I will always always have a recital and I will always play music while people are coming in and sometimes I ask parents and students what's your favorite tune right now and I make a playlist that they uh, determine they they tell me what they want to hear and that's the playlist for the recital so um Make sure when you uh, when they walk into their the recital hall, the venue, or even if you're holding a recital in your home, play some fun music. The other tip that I have for during recital is always put your newbie performers before newbies. That's what I call them, newbies. Uh, put your newbies before um, at the beginning of the program, third, fourth maybe fifth. Don't let them sit there waiting and watching and getting more stressed out. Once they've performed, then they can relax and enjoy. And they will. They'll have this great wave of relief comes off of you once you performed. And so can their mom and dad. My other tip, and this is just a friendly reminder, keep an eye out for your students. Watch for anyone who is getting worked up. 
I have a lovely teenager who likes to get worked up. She'll actually get up and she'll go to the back of the church and she'll pace back and forth. And I know she's just getting herself all ruminating about bad things. And I always mosey on back and I always gently grab her arm and I always bring her back and I sit her down beside some of my more calmer students. Balance out the energy a bit. Keep an eye out. If you see a family or a student that is looking upset or stressed, go say hi. Go smile. Go remind them that nothing bad is going to happen. Um, Other fun things you can do, have a few draws, have a guest performer. But at the end of your recital, you're going to recognize your new performers with a small gift, a certificate. Um, Make them come up one more time and get some more applause. They deserve that recognition. First performances are a big deal. And if they leave that, that venue feeling great about themselves, then they are going to come back for more performances. Now, after the recital, the fortune is in the follow-up. Follow up with everyone. Celebrate again. Tell them again how wonderfully they did. Uh, Do not allow the negative self-talk. The teenagers love the negative self-talk. Oh, it was so horrible. Oh, I never want to sing again. Oh, that note was so bad. I don't allow them to do that. And they know better now. But I actually have had adults that have done that as well. It is so important to stop that negative self-talk, even if they're doing it kind of in a in a in a, in a goofy, semi-funny way. Those comments chip away at our confidence, at our souls. I don't let them do that. And what I do do is make them tell me what they liked about their performances. There's always good in the performance and you have to find it and let's talk about it. So I always bring the conversation back to the positive things because I want them to continue doing those positive things. Um, And remind students and families that progress in music lessons, any music lessons, is a long-term investment And the more they perform, the more confident they become, the better they become. They cannot expect to get up and be a professional performer without thousands and thousands of hours. And um, sometimes we have to remind mom and dad. And sometimes the follow-up is with mom and dad. If mom and dad weren't happy with the performance, uh, then you need to discuss that too. Um, and, And again, I don't believe that families intentionally are trying to be unkind. They just don't understand. You're the expert with years of experience. Share with them what you are really pleased with and how the student can work towards growing into a better performer you know, talk about their, their, their feelings, talk about the feels. Um, and, uh, hopefully you're all on the same page. Um, I've had that. I've had, uh, parents that were really concerned that, well, why do they sing better in their lessons and not at the recitals? And again, I often ask them, have you ever gotten up and performed? Most of them haven't. They haven't experienced what their kids are going through. And that goes back to our uh, fight and flight response. And, and understanding that the body goes through some serious physical changes when we are stressed out and we have to, we have to work through that. Now, the other thing I like to do is start thinking ahead to the next recital. Start planning ahead. 
let them know, okay, next performance is here. Let's start thinking about what we're going to do. So there you are. Lots of insight, lots of strategies to help your singers of any age with their first performances. Uh, I am wishing everyone all the best on their upcoming recitals. Now, if you have any strategies that you use in your studio to help your singers with their performances, please leave a comment on our podcast page. So the full voice backslash podcast. This is podcast number 25. We love hearing from teachers. We love sharing great ideas. We have such a wonderful community of caring incredible music teachers. Please join us. Share your wonderful ideas. And if you are enjoying the podcasts, please don't forget to review them on iTunes or leave a review on our Facebook page, the Full Voice Music on on Facebook. Please join us and be part of our uh, our community. So, Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And as always, I am wishing you a great day of teaching and happy performances. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. May my music. CanoeMusic.ca. All right, there's my intro. Wow. Nailed it. Nailed it. First take. All right, here we go.